0: Thank you for tuning in to this message from Kingdom Airs International, headquarters located in Flagstaff, Arizona. I know most of you guys are on the Kingdom Airs Fox, so you guys already know this. I'm not ruining the surprise, but Megan was inspired to bake tonight. And one of the things that I had unlocked Megan in this week is I said, it's time for you, instead of coming to me and saying, what do you need? I said, press into Yahweh and tell me what. Tell me what I need. She has no idea what I'm releasing tonight and all she got was that it's time to receive enjoy and she felt like baking. And so she was gonna do it at the end but I asked her if we could do it right now. So she's going to get the cookies because what I want is I want, everything she just talked about is I want our senses to be engaged with even the taste of what you're about to enjoy is going to be as sweet as everything that I'm going to be releasing. That just as I have prepared something for tonight, that Yahweh is using me as a vessel uh, to be able to prepare something for you, that there is something that you are going to enjoy and is gonna be just as sweet. And so I want our minds to begin to associate that that sweetness with what we're gonna taste is as sweet as receiving his word. If you guys realized what she just released in the spirit? She basically said it's time for the body to be repositioned. And when she's talking about being able to be repositioned and engaged, what's the floor of the next level? What do we engage with? We're on honor. So we're beginning to learn what we're supposed to honor in the news so that we can engage things that we were supposed to and always be intended to engage. But there's a repositioning of the body that produces a certain type of engagement. And you just saw a practical example. And, and um, I, I'm trying to figure out how to even say it because it, it's, it's, um, it's by the Spirit when she's talking about the weightiness. I released something during the family night. I had asked you guys to study things like uh, uh, the mayor uh, and the lights and what does Genesis say? How many of us dived into that? Did anybody unlock the mystery of what the lights are? Did anybody unlock the mystery that it says that he separated light from darkness on day one but did not create the sun and the moon and the stars until after day four? Did anybody unlock that mystery? If that type of mystery was being unlocked in you, you would be sitting up here being like, where is my cookies? Because I'm going to shake. You'd be shaking with this level of anticipation of the mysteries that are coming. So when she's talking about a repositioning, what's happening is is he's entrusting us with the mysteries. Could I be as bold as not everyone's entrusted with them? Not everyone is entrusted with what's being released. And he's releasing things that are gifts to his sons and daughters that are choosing to be repositioned. That doesn't mean that you're repositioned to receive a mystery to just, that felt good. It's a mystery that unlocks you, that is going to, um, I don't don't know, this sounds so cliche, but now when I say it, it's coming from a different place. Change the world. (laughs) I don't know how else to say that. I mean, we always said, you were going to change the world. Now it's coming from deep inside my belly that there's something that's going on that is literally going to transform the world. Not because my life is being transformed, but that, that what is permeating on this earth will be transformed. Uh, I, I, I'm i not able to, to totally get into it because I really do want you guys to eat of this mystery, but uh, I... Uh, I, I, (laughs) I want, I want to, I'm just going to release this by the spirit. I'm not going to teach on it. It's a teaching night. I am going to teach, but I'm going to release this by the spirit. When I talk about that on day four, when he created the lights, it says in that scripture that those lights, I'm going to put it that way, those lights were put in place to have authority over the seasons and the times. Literally, the word is feast. The mystery that you are going to be unlocked when you read that is that there was something that wasn't even created. Let me, I'm just going to read it. No, I'm not. You're going to read it. But in Genesis 1, and it goes through the whole chapter, on day 4, there is something he doesn't even create. He just gives it purpose. It's another unlocking of the mystery that when he separated light from darkness, there was such a thing that was light from the very beginning. Amen? If he separated light from darkness and didn't create physical light until day four, something was there. And if you read in day four, he didn't just create a light, he gave it purpose. And he said that that purpose is to govern the seasons and the times and the feast. The mystery that will be unlocked in you is it's you. That on earth, man was created on day six, but you were always with him from the beginning. You were always, you are the light. And when we begin to tap into some of the things that's going to be taught tonight, you're going to begin to understand what Megan was talking about, about Megan being able to, to say that the heaviness of what's been afforded to us. Because when these mysteries get unlocked in you, then you're going to realize that you have been given authority to govern the feasts. And then we're told after salvation that you're just supposed to Whatever, but it wasn't govern the feasts. In fact, we've been so deceived and lied to, you don't even know what a feast is. You don't even know what we're celebrating. You don't know what's in the past. You don't know what was during his time. And you don't know what's coming in the future. And you're in charge of it. Remember, I I don't know how many of you guys were with us uh, during the family night, but do you remember when there was something that came out of me out of the inside and my body began to shake and I began to say one day how powerful it is that that Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks, which is what we've known as Pentecost, was celebrated for century after century after century after century. And then one day the prophetic came why? Because they were rehearsing and honoring and they were pulling that down. And so, and it, ha- and it has happened for every single one of these feasts until here. So, when we're entering into this season that we're going to talk about and we're into the fall feast, you're not only honoring what was in the Old Testament, you are rehearsing what Yeshua rehearsed himself, and you are also pulling in your one day. When you rehearse these things, you are honoring what was, you are honoring what is, and you are pulling in your one day, because there's coming a time, okay, I'm going to get really bold here. There's coming a time where this family is going to rebuild a new tradition, and it's not going to be a tradition that you've ever known before, because we're going to honor Yom Teruah, Teruah, which is the Feast of Trumpets. And I'm telling you that on that day, when we celebrate on the Feast of Trumpets, one day we are going to hear this last shofar blow. And he's coming back. In fact, I'm, going to, I'm not getting into this tonight, but I do want to just get you guys excited because I'm not teaching on this one. But you've been lied to if you were told that no man shall know the hour or day. Yes, we do. We may not know what year, but we do know what day. It is a nickname for that holiday that literally means no man knows the hour or day is the nickname for this holiday. But when you read it in the scripture, you take it literal and go, I guess that means we will never know. It is a nickname that they use because it has to do with the lunar calendar and they didn't know at what time he was going to blow the shofar, meaning the priests. This is exciting Does this get exciting? Does it bring a whole new alignment to you to the 10 days of awe knowing that the 10 days prior he was supposed to show up but he didn't this year and I have 10 days to realign myself to endure the next whole year because maybe next year on that day will be your one day? And you guys might think I'm crazy. Yeah. (laughs) But one day, he actually did this. They probably thought that they were crazy when somebody said that there's actually going to be a final lamb, not just the doorpost. And when they continually rehearsed it, and then John the Baptist comes in and says, that is what's going to happen. It was all, what are you talking about? The doorpost was enough. But one day, there's going to be a final lamb that's, that takes care of Everyone. Sounded crazy then, and I'm going to sound crazy now. I'm fine with that. Right? Unleavened bread. That was a normal thing. Get rid of all the yeast. We don't want to be prideful. We're going to separate the sin. And then all of a sudden, John the Baptist comes on the scene, and he said, One day, you're actually going to get the leaven out of your life. you No, the bread's enough. But then Yeshua shows up on the scene and goes, no man will thirst. No man will hunger. I am the bread of life. Come on, eat of me. Right? Well, you keep going. First fruits, year after year. Oh, thank you, Lord, for the barley harvest. Thank you, Lord, for the agriculture. Thank you, Lord, for the wheat harvest. The wheat's good enough and I'm going to honor and celebrate first fruits and then somebody crazy comes along like John the Baptist and says one day there's going to be one that's going to be your fruit, your first fruit and you're going to be the one that's asleep. And everybody's like, what are you talking about? All we do is agriculture. What are you talking about? A man that's going to become the first fruits of those that fall. What are you talking about? But it's not abnormal now. And then Shavuot, we're going we're gonna to celebrate the commencement of the law being written in our hearts. Mount Sinai for centuries, and it's good. And then some crazy person comes along, like Yeshua, says, just wait till I leave. And it gets put inside of you. And then it actually happens in Acts 2 on Shavuot. All of those people sat in an upper room and came to Jerusalem because it's what they were required to do. And they rehearsed it because they believed in the Feast of Weeks. They believed in Shavuot. They honored and rehearsed and they came. But then all of a sudden, it meant something more. Now it's not crazy because all we know is Pentecost. Pentecost. In fact, the church pretty much only knows Pentecost and has no idea from before. So we aren't given the blueprint of what to do for here. Because all of a sudden, this is what's happening to Christianity. I don't know anything about Pentecost, all of a sudden it happened. So then all of a sudden the trumpet's going to blow. I had no idea. I didn't. I wasn't rehearsing anything. Could I be as bold as if you're not, you won't be taken? If you're not, you won't be one of the ones that's ruling and reigning. This is how deceived we've been. Because if it happened here, why would he not say, honor this? And we're not. Do you feel the weight of how important this is? because then when you receive the goodness of it now you've been given the unlocking and the mystery to be able to just what megan said go back to the original intent honor what was and now you're ready so how many of us have written uh listen to the parables of the 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 maids and the five and the five and how many of us who got saved and went to the altar call went i'm one of the five Are you? Is your oil full if you don't know about that? Okay, so that's what we've been talking about. Tonight, I wanna tackle Tabernacles. And this is what's so exciting about Tabernacles. Now here, let me, let me give an overview. There are, okay, I'm gonna give an overview real quick. The only reason why I'm going over Tabernacles tonight, normally in my, my normal teaching mindset is I'd wanna start with Passover. But we happen to be right here, right now. Tonight is the last night of the celebration of Sukkot. Tonight is the last night of Tabernacles. Tabernacles is seven days of celebration and joy celebration and joy why because the book of life has been opened the atonement's already happened he came back the nations have been judged and now we're rehearsing what it's like for him to actually dwell on the earth where we rule and reign that's what this is right now so we say we want him to come back and we want to rule and reign but we have no idea what tabernacles is so tonight's the last night of tabernacles And it is is, is seven days of absolute joy and celebration. So I want to teach on Tabernacles since we happen to be in Tabernacles. That's why I'm starting there, which I think is powerful for our family that we would start at the end to go back to the beginning. (laughs) Because there's so much mystery in this that it's so hard to grab a hold of all of it if you're not necessarily aware of some of this stuff, but we're just going to start with what we've got and we're going to go from there, okay? You guys ready? Were the cookies good? Sweetness. All right. I don't know honestly where to start with (laughs) tabernacles. But it's going to be good, okay? All right. So I just want to do a real quick overview of feasts in general. There are seven feasts that we are to observe. Three of them are required by law. Hear me. I'm not talking about us. I'm just, I'm just trying to give an overview of what has been known. The three are the high holy feasts, or the ones that are the most important. They're the ones you actually go to Jerusalem for. And you need to understand this because Yeshua knew this. He was in Galilee, and he would travel to Jerusalem during the three high holy feasts. You need to know where he was and when he was to understand what's going on. So that's why I'm talking about this. So there's seven feasts as a whole, but there's three that are the main ones. The three main ones are, can anybody guess? Passover. Shavuot, which is our, what we know of as Pentecost or the Feast of Weeks. The last one is? Tabernacles. Those are the three, to- those are the three big feasts. There's seven altogether. As an overview, these are the spring feasts. This falls right smack in the middle of summer, and this is the fall feast. You with me? This happens on the first of Tishri. Ten days of awe, Yom Kippur. Five days after is tabernacles. It lasts for seven days. My point in saying that is once you hit, remember Alul, Jacob and Gabi have been doing such a great job of steward. It is the preparation month. Did you know what you were preparing for? His second coming. Did you know what you were preparing for when the king is in the field? You have an opportunity where he comes into the field and he puts on a regular garment. He takes off his kingly clothes and says, let me come and work with you. And only if you recognize him, outside of his kingly robe will he say come with me now you know what two in the field one leaves and one stays what that means because he changes his garment and he'll take you with you into the inner courts you're going somewhere it ain't up it's in My point in all of that is that Elul is a preparation month for three feasts that land within like 15 days. So it's not like there's, you know, trumpets and then atonement. It's kind of like once trumpets hits, he's judging the nations and then he's going to dwell. And we're on the last day of the celebration of, of tabernacles. This should be a celebration because judgment's already happened. That's why there's joy starting tonight amen you guys okay, okay so far okay all right i really don't know where to start um let me start with a couple of definitions as another overview do you guys understand that every single one of these feasts have a representation in the old testament A representation during Yeshua's time and a representation in the future. So every single one of these feasts we could study past, is, and is to come. He was, he is, and he is to come for every single feast. So it's hard for me tonight to do tabernacles because I could go into three weeks of just studying tabernacles based off of the wilderness, And I could do another three months of study on tabernacles during Yeshua's time. And then I could do another three months of study on tabernacles of what's to come. And I got one night. I'm sure I could have more if you let me, I'm just saying. I'm trying to get all of this in, and I don't exactly know what is important, but tonight here's what I am going to do, because sometimes I like to give a little bit of an outline so I can kind of keep myself on track. I do want to talk a little bit about the old. I want to talk about during his time, and I want to talk about what's to come, and then what I really want to do is I would, is I want to take some time tonight to bridge the gap for all of us that have been celebrating things that have nothing to do with the kingdom and bring them into alignment. I'm going to spend a lot of time on that, not because it's about that, but because I know where we are at, and I want to take us from where we were, and I want us to walk through the hallway properly. Does that make sense? Okay. So let's just go over tabernacles just at a foundational level. Um, We're going to start with, ah, I don't know where to start. I'm just going to start with a couple definitions. Exodus, and you guys can write this down. Exodus 25.9, the word is mishkan. It's the Hebrew word for tabernacle. That word, tabernacle, literally just means dwelling place. A dwelling. Okay? Okay? Now you're going to hop over into John 1.14. Lately, one of my most favorite. I mean, you guys all know John has been my favorite book. And this scripture has just been so amazing. John 1.14. I'm going to read this one. John, uh, John 1.14 says, And the word became flesh and taberm- tabernacled among us. That word tabernacle there means uh, to fix a tabernacle, abide or live, to dwell figuratively in the human body. Okay, so the word tabernacle at a foundational level just means dwell. So you can see why this would be also prophetic because now where is his dwelling place? What does tabernacles mean that we get to celebrate is that I am his dwelling place, that he abides in me. And one day he's going to come out of me where we are face to face again. The word became flesh and tabernacled among us. And one day there's going to be scriptures that say that one day he came and he tabernacled with us. So understanding just the concept of tabernacles has to do with the dwelling place. Amen? All right. This feast is called a couple things. It's called the Feast of Tabernacles. It's called the Feast of Booths. It's called Sukkot. Sukkot. It's also called the Feast of the Ingathering. So anytime you hear those, those are all talking about tabernacles. Seven days of celebration. And Jacob and Gabi got into this last week. The reason why it's called Sukkot is because they actually build sukkahs, which are booths or huts, which we're going to get into a little bit later. And you leave your place that you live in, and you go into a sukkah where he dwells and he can freely move in and out of your sukkah, the top of your sukkah is organic and you can see through it because you're remembering what he's done, what he did and what he's going to do, okay? So I'm just trying to give a little bit of context of why it's called Tabernacles, why it's called Sukkot, because there's a literal celebration for seven days where it's almost like for seven days we go camping. You leave one place of comfort and you go into another place where he can freely dwell with you. Okay? So... um I don't know how much I, I, I don't know how much to get into this because I don't know how much I've talked about it, but just for those of you that want to know, uh, um, oh, how do I say that? I don't know how much I want to get into that, but Asuka actually represents the letter bait, which is the second letter of the Aleph bet. Bait means home. It's kind of all that I want to I get out of that. And if you look at the way that it looks, I'm going to show some pictures later. Asuka literally looks like that it's just a hut with an opening in the front, and it represents home. This is why we had so many sermons about being a renter to an owner. Because those of us that have been indoctrinated with the uh, lie that this is just going to go away, so what's the point? You're leaving is not the case. This is going to be his home. It will be his dwelling place. His heart yearns and looks after this creation. And if you go back to Genesis 1, you'll understand that. Because it's all about the cosmos and he creates a firmament and we're at the center of it. Okay? Okay. Um. this is where I don't know exactly how many examples to go over um, but so I'm just going to kind of freely speak and then I'll see how much scripture I want to bring into this I mean I'll give you guys a scripture but I just, I just feel like I just need to speak and then we'll see where it goes so the Old Testament basically the Feast of Tabernacles is the commencement of honoring the wilderness season welcome to day one Remember everything Megan just said. It is an honoring that he delivered you from Egypt out of the slavery of your fathers, 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 fathers for hundreds of years, building for another structure that was not his original intent. So you were delivered from one place and then you were in the, uh, a place of wilderness where you were dependent on him daily you didn't eat it rotted how many of us said i'm just gonna wait till teaching night you lost the manna that will never be given back to you you get your daily portion daily you miss it that day's over i don't mean that in a bad way He's outside of time, but come on, you can't lose your day of manna. If you were really out in the wilderness, you'd be out searching for that manna. You wouldn't be like, "Yeah, wait till somebody else goes and collects it. He actually said nobody else is allowed to collect it. You need to go collect it. Tabernacles was a time for them to have a commencement of understanding and honoring the provision of what they built in the wilderness. Have you ever thought what they built in the wilderness as they traveled? Sugas. And he provided for them. It is an honoring of what he did that he is my provider. It's leaving one place and going out into the wilderness, if you will, and remembering what he's done. That he guided us by the pillar of smoke. By he, that he guided us by the light. He guided us by Moshe. He guided us by a leader. He, guided, he, he, he gave us everything we needed to endure a 40-year season before the promised land. That's, all, that's, that's what tabernacles is about in the Old Testament. The scriptures are... Um, Exodus 34 22. actually Exodus 34 is not um, it is actually a, a different a, a different scripture I want to tell you guys about this is what's so amazing about this if you think about agriculture the spring feasts have everything to do with wheat and barley all of these feasts and agriculture have to do with the wine the wine press the fruit it's the fruit harvest this is the wheat harvest and the barley harvest. This is the fruit harvest. Exodus 34, <clears throat> 22. It's describing to you about the fruit harvest. That you take your year's worth of results and you grab a hold of your year's worth of results. That's what Exodus 34, uh, 22 is talking about. Um, it's the end of the year. All the fruit and the work of that harvest gets collected and the results at the end of the year. The reason why I'm pointing this out is in scripture, Exodus is talking about it because this is the timeline of the fruit harvest. That's not even talking about tabernacles. It's just talking about at the end of the year. Did we not just celebrate a new year? The end of the year is where you you gather your fruit and you see the work of of the whole year. That was in Exodus. Exodus. Then you move over to Leviticus. Leviticus 23, 34 through 44 specifically talks about that, about tabernacles. It tells you how to celebrate it, when to celebrate it, what it means. I'm not going to read it because I just am wanting to flow. Is that okay? Go to that scripture and it will tell you what they were told to do. Now remember, Leviticus is the law given after exodus most of us are like the law but what does the law mean do you guys remember what i said torah means anybody what does torah mean what does the law mean yes loving instructions from a father on how to walk out this new life in the promised land The law, the Torah, was loving instru- instructions from a father of how to walk out the promised land. Okay? So in Leviticus, um, <laughs> yeah, never mind. Leviticus 23, 34 through 44 is very specific, and it talks about why they do it. And it's always about the generations it wasn't even necessarily for you. It was so that the generations after you would remember what he did. It was always for the next generation. Oh, <sighs> I just want to get into some stuff. <laughs> Hold that last comment in your heart. So that when I get to where I want you to get to and I break down where you've been, you can kind of taste the cookie again. Okay? All right. Uh, I'm just going to give a couple of scriptures here for you to have. Matthew 13, 39. Matthew 13, 39 is talking about the end harvest. It's talking about the gathering of the fruit talking about at the end of an age. Revelations 14, verse 18, again, talks about the grapes that will be collected. I'm trying to get your spirits to understand that one day you're going to be the fruit harvest, okay? All right, a couple more things. Those were just kind of some examples. A couple more things with the Old Testament that I do want us to understand. Um, I'm I'm gonna give you these scriptures. Uh, Zechariah 14, 16 through 19. We may swing around to this after I'm done but I'm going to give it to you now. Another scripture is Nehemiah 8, 13 through 18. Do you guys have those? Okay. Zechariah 14, 16 through 19. And Nehemiah 8, 13 through 18. The reason why I feel like these are so powerful is... uh, And again, we'll come back to this, but Zechariah is a prophet and he's basically prophesying and he's talking about this holiday. And he's saying what will happen if you don't remember and what will happen if you do. What I find so powerful is Zechariah was a prophet after captivity. So Nehemiah is somebody I always look to because rebuild, right? It's time to rebuild so you go into Nehemiah and if you read actually I'm just gonna read it let's go to Nehemiah 8. I'm still getting used to my different layout Chronicles is after all of it it's so weird All right, Nehemiah 8, what was it, 13 through 18? You guys know when I talk about Nehemiah, right? This was after captivity. This was after they had been in bondage. And they decide, a group of them decided, let's go back to Jerusalem and let's rebuild, right? So Nehemiah 8, um, thirteen. On the second day the heads of the families along with the um, with the priests and the Levites gathering around Ezra to ponder the words of the Torah. They found written in the Torah that Adonai had commanded through Moses the, the Ben the Beni Ezrael, which is the son of God, should dwell in Sukkot during the feast of the seventh month. So that they should proclaim and spread the message in all their towns and in Jerusalem, saying, go out to the hill country and bring all these things that they were supposed to bring. So the people went out and brought branches and made succuits for themselves, each on their own roof and in the plaza. The entire assembly who had returned from captivity made succuits and dwelt in, in the succuit. Since the days of Joshua, the son of Nun until that day had not done so, and the joy was very great. Day after day, from the first day to the last day, he read from the scroll of the Torah. My point in saying this is that there were years upon years upon years upon years because of captivity or slavery that they did not honor what they were to honor. And here they go and rebuild the, the walls and they decide to pull out that ancient Torah and they decide to read it. And all of a sudden Nehemiah goes, um, I just realized that we're supposed to be doing this. Sound like today? all of a sudden pulling out that ancient Torah and letting Ruach hakodesh blow on it and say, I was just reading in this and for some reason it says that we're supposed to be celebrating Sukkot. You want to rebuild a temple? It's you. I'm not rebuilding a building. How much more important do we need to understand Dwelling. And I apologize, ben, Beni Israel are the sons of God, basically heirs, you. So when I said that, not son of God, but the sons of God, meaning you guys. The son, the heirs. Oh my gosh, we were just reading the Torah and I just found out that if you have an inheritance and you're an heir, you're supposed to be doing this? I think we should probably reestablish that. All families begin to write down your last name. We're going to begin to serve. We're going to get into the house. We're going to open up this temple. We're going to clean house. We're going to rebuild. And we're going to do what he said to do. Doesn't that sound a little bit more like a higher frequency than church? It does not say in the Bible, you open, and then you have announcements, and then you have three worship songs, and then you have a sermon, and then you go home, and you die. Okay. Let's just read Zechariah because the prophets are awesome. Zechariah 14, 16 through 19 specifically. Now remember, um, Zechariah is so amazing. Uh, Chapter nine is prophesying Yeshua. If you wanna write that down. Chapter nine, he's prophesying Yeshua's time. What I'm about to read to you, he's prophesying your time or the end time or the end of an age, okay? So 14, 16 through 19. Then all the survivors, if you did not get chills up and down your spine, then maybe death and life need to come back. (laughs) Then all of the survivors, From the nations that have been attacked. Will go up year to year to worship the king Adonai Titzvah. Which means the angel armies. And celebrate Sukkot. Here's a prophet. All of you that survived. Make sure you do this. But this is weird. It's a prophet of the old. What does it matter? But in nine he prophesied Yeshua and it was good enough then. But we don't want to go to chapter 14 when he's prophesying the end times i'm going to keep on going furthermore if any of the nations on earth do not go up to jerusalem they will have no rain living in a drought you ready okay All right, that was Old Testament. A couple of examples of during Yeshua's time, we're gonna go there. Are you guys doing okay? Okay, now I'm gonna go into uh, Yeshua's time. We're gonna go to John 7. Title of John seven, anticipating the hostility of Sacco. <laughs> That's weird. Yeshua did this. I've never heard of such a thing. Uh, I was just doing John seven. I am gonna. Uh, let's go to verse thirty-seven. There's a whole lot in that. He, he basically is telling his disciples, I don't think it's my time. If I go there in the middle of Sukkot, I'm going to die. Okay? You guys have to understand what he was carrying, right? And they were celebrating. And then, like I said, some crazy guy comes along and says, right? So, okay. All right. Listen to this. Verse 37, on the last and greatest day of the feast. Can somebody read to me their version? Read to me. Go ahead, Gabi. Uh, read ver- the very beginning of verse 37. Yes. What? I, sometimes I just, I, I, I'm so humbled and humiliated. And so excited all at the same time. Because how many times have we read that scripture? And not one of us have ever said, what was the last day of the, what feast are you talking about? If he's our blueprint and we follow the way, the truth, and the life, you don't get to candy pick which way and which true and which life he follows. Right? Right? On the last and greatest day of the feast, Yeshua stood up and cried out loudly. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture says, out of the innermost being will flow living waters. How many of you have quoted that scripture and said, out of my belly, I want living waters. And never understood that he was saying it in the middle of tabernacles. And the only water coming out of you is if you understand his dwelling in you. All of a sudden, during tabernacles, you get to have this indwelling, abiding thing that begins to happen. And you begin to rehearse. And you begin to celebrate what was, what is, and what's to come. And now you have living water. Yeah. But we've said, no man shall thirst. Just... Pray. I I actually am trying to. What's the sinner's prayer? And no, I'm being serious. The one that's not in the scripture. (laughs) Right? He's in the middle of a feast! They've been doing seven days. Now, you guys have to understand, they're operating. They're in these sukkahs, and they're out, and they're celebrating, and they're honoring what Yahweh did for them in, out of their forefathers from Egypt. And they're remembering that Nehemiah brought it back, and they want the generations to know what he's done. And the Son of God is sitting in the midst of them going, Okay, I've had enough. If you would only understand... You will never thirst again. You will never have to worry about provision again. It was, it, was, it, was, it was an honoring of what was, but that there was more to come. All of a sudden, it gives some life. What was that sermon? This is how we study. You don't just read a scripture. Wow, that sounds great. Where was he? Why was he? And who was he talking to? And all of a sudden, you're like, oh, that hit me in a different way. Amen. All right, so that's just one example of Yeshua who uh, followed the feast. And that's just one example. Okay. Are you guys ready? Okay. Let me get a drink of water. Because this is where I'm going to take you guys from where you've been to where we're going. So why don't we have another cookie? (laughs) another yes jalen how does a letter mean a word okay so hebrew is it's a it's we're gonna get we're oh my gosh we're gonna get into so much stuff it's gonna be awesome but hebrew's language is so amazing because it's pictorial so the Hebrew language isn't a word like we know in English, like house is just house. If, if the best way to explain it is uh, this letter is pictorial, which means it gives you a picture and isn't there a thousand words in a picture? So the letter is a picture, so therefore there are several layers to that one letter. Rabbis say that one phrase in the scriptures, there are 72 layers. What I'm presenting tonight, let's just say this, if it's from a scale of one, and we could go as deep as 500. I'm only scratching at half of one. The mysteries that have been unlocked, just as I've dove into this, has literally made my mind like, just So the reason why it can mean so many things is because it's a picture. And it's a number. Yes, but it's not just a character like in like Chinese is like uh, it's just a character. It's literally a picture. It's a simple picture, but it's it's a picture. Okay. So something else really powerful happens during Sekut. This is during Yeshua's time. Make sure you get your cookie. So I gave you guys an example. Yeshua's, uh, you know, he's uh, preaching uh, during Sukkot. You can see all throughout his life, his public ministry, he was constantly traveling to Jerusalem during all of the high holy days. It was a gruesome walk uh, from where he was to where he needed to go, and everyone would would do that. That's why in Acts 2 they were already together. It's not like Yahweh said, hey, out of nowhere, guys, everybody go to Jerusalem. Holy Spirit's coming. He told how many people? He told his disciples, 11, go to Jerusalem and stay there. They already knew that they had to stay there because they were required to be there for Shavuot. So they waited for seven weeks. And everyone else was already there. But you have to understand, who was already there? The disciples knew something else was coming, right? The 120? 120? Are you guys tracking with me? But everyone else that had came, where they, were just, they were just coming to honor uh, after first fruits seven times seven. They were just coming to honor what had happened with the Torah on Mount Sinai. So think about it. You got a nice Jewish family. It's, it's Shavuot time, and they take the trek all the way over to Jerusalem, and there's this crazy bunch of 120, and on the day of Shavuot, all of a sudden tongues of fire start coming on, and they're like, are they drunk? Are you kidding me? It's 9 a.m., That's what happened. The only reason why they had witnesses is because it was on a day. It was, like I said, he's in a God of order. This is something that's so powerful. Megan said something so powerful. I want you to be repositioned and I want you to be quiet. In a nice way. Now in the old, that meant what she said. You better not pee. That's not what this is. But this isn't a free-for-all grace game where you get to just play around and be disrespectful. This is, it's time to rebuild. It's time to put some things back in order. He's going to begin a construction process, right? And we've already seen the foundation laid. We're beginning to see, I can only imagine, Tyler and John, you guys have been looking at blueprints for years. Looking at a piece of paper for years. For years. And then all of a sudden you get that ground broken. And you begin to see the foundation. I would assume after a while, at least for me, after staring at the foundation, I'd be like, okay, can we get some walls in here? (laughs) I mean, and it's exciting when you begin to see the blueprints come to place, but at some point the foundation is like, come on, can we get a room? Right? We're beginning to see the walls erect. We're beginning to see a home be created and there's structure and there is order. So it's gonna sound a lot like what we've known but in him does that make sense when I say that all right all right you guys all have your cookies okay so like I said Shavuot didn't come along and then you know Holy Spirit was like I think this would be a good day Passover begins and Yeshua was like okay I think it's my time to die if it's not your will, right? There was a timeline, that's why he said, even to Judas, quickly go and do what you said you were gonna do, it needs to be done. Wrap that around your brain. The betrayer, Yeshua, looks at him, the last supper, and he says, quickly, go and do what you need to do. Passover's coming. What were they celebrating? It wasn't the last supper, and all the pictures you've been seeing, that's not even how they were sitting. They were laying down in a circle on top of one another, one another. They loved each other. They weren't afraid of getting close. They weren't weird about affection. They let the betrayer laid on his heart. That's another teaching. I've been taught different. What were they celebrating? It wasn't the last supper. It was Passover. It was the Seder meal that lasts fourteen hours. I'm going to say something really crazy, and if you're religious, you're probably going to get all in up. They were they would drink all day at Passover Seder. There's at least six cups of wine. Fourteen hours of celebration. I'm just I'm not hear what I'm saying. It wasn't the last supper. It was the Seder meal. That's why quickly go and do what you need to do because I'm on a timeline. Okay? All right. Okay. Okay. Something else happens during Sukkot and it's extremely powerful. You ready? During Sukkot, during this season, during this joy time, the Messiah is born. Was that somebody buzzing in the spirit? Yeshua's birthday is right now. Now, here's why I'm going to say this again. I am not going over this because Tabernacles and Sukkot is about his birthday. You never once see Yeshua in the 30 years he was alive go, happy birthday to me. He honored Sukkot. He honored Yahweh. He honored what they honored. But I'm just giving us a taste of what we get to celebrate because we're completely unaware of what was happening during that time. Does that make sense? I'm not saying it because we're supposed to make this his birthday. I'm saying it because I want us to understand where we've been because we do honor his birthday. Yes, normal. And I'm wanting to bring us to a place of order. But I'm not doing that because we're supposed to be excited. I mean, you could be excited about his birth. I'm just saying that's not the point of Sukkot. But it is a thing that happened. And it's interesting to me, the deception that has come to us, that we have decided to honor a birthday, and we've completely missed when it is and what it means, because in John 1, when it says, the word became flesh, and he tabernacled among us, you understand now what that means. Okay. So there's this powerful thing that happens during this the fall feast, and it's his birthday. And I'm going to prove it to you guys tonight. Okay? First, can we talk about Christmas? Now, here's the thing. Here's what I'm excited about, the joy. Because Megan said that we have, there's been a cost. And last December, our family, for one of the first times, got away and we I felt the heart of Yahweh say this next year it is time to build your family's tradition and I didn't know what that meant because all I knew was there is no tradition (laughs) you know what I mean it was like tradition Ah, like that was a bad word like you everything was torn down I just you know and so we were kind of in this limbo then what do we do I really like my tree. I don't think I should have a tree. Okay, maybe I should have a tree. We were kind of just in this, I don't, I mean, but it's cute. Or, you know, but we like gifts. And it was just this weird thing. And I felt the heart of Yahweh last December. I heard him say, it is now time for you to dispense what I want you to celebrate as a family. Amen? And so I am really excited. I think it's going to take us a long time. But here's the thing, here's the foundation. You're rehearsing for something that's coming. This isn't just a holiday, it's a holy day. It's not just a tradition, it is a rehearsal, okay? And so when we understand that, we'll begin to engage with something that's more, that's bigger than us, than just what are our traditions in our family, okay? So I'm gonna talk about Christmas because Christmas, as we know it, Christians, is his birthday, but it's not, So what is it and why? And then we're going to bring it full circle and then we're going to talk about Sukkot again. You guys okay? I just want us to be aware, and I'm sure most of us are, but for some reason we have it in our mindset that even though we know this, it just doesn't matter. And that's why I really want us to read Zechariah, And I really want us to understand order and structure. And I want us to understand that if he came on this day... That there's something to that, and not to ignore what he has said and just continue in our own ways because it's what we've known. Okay? So there's a couple things that, I, and I don't know how far I really wanna get into this, but first of all, which uh, Christmas, and I've said this before, as a body, we have decided to fight on the battleground of making sure Walmart says Merry Christmas and not. Happy holidays. We're fighting a battle that doesn't even make sense. The word Christmas came from Christ's Mass. It was Christ, it was a Mass service. So now we've taken Christ and put him in a service and said, Mary. Okay? Christmas didn't even roll around until 330 A.D. The disciples in the early church would have no idea what I am talking about. There wasn't even a thing. It did not come into being until Constantine decided to make it a part of the church. There was definitely a whole lot of holy days going on in December. I can tell you about a couple of them. The Viking ones. I think it's called Yule. Yule. There's uh, the the Romans. It was basically a Mardi Gras. It was pure drunkenness. It was partying. It was just a huge celebration. You want to know why? Because it was right smack in the winter and they were all depressed. So they decided to make it a holiday. And the Romans were doing that. And Constantine came in and said, oh, well, we really want to reach the pagans. So in order to do that, why don't we just slap Christianity on it and we'll say it's his birthday and then that way we can have a blending of structures and then we'll just honor that. And then 2000 years later, we're like dying on a hill to make sure that Walmart says, Merry Christmas. We're fighting the wrong. Yeah, another holiday, The, the sun god the winter solstice, solstice day. It also came from the Roman, from the goddess uh, Saturnalina, I think. It was a goddess of Saturn. It was a day that they honored these goddesses. And so then these pagans were doing this and Constantine said, hey, here's a way that we could blend the structures. But you want to know what that, you want to know what that ultimately did? I mean, I'm assuming you guys know what it did because here we are. He wanted to strip you from being, you uh, the power on high. He wanted to have a structure that was that fit what he knew so that he could so that you would not be powerful and know what it was that you would be celebrating had you been celebrating what they had always been celebrating. So he comes in and says, They're getting a little too powerful. This is how we're going to build a structure. And it was his own structure or man's structure. We all right? So it's not even about a pagan holiday, about Christmas, and then we slapped his birthday on it. It is a mix of a ton of holidays that happened during the winter season. And then Constantine and the Pope ended up deciding to deem it as this is what we're going to say his birthday is. And so it's basically just a big hodgepodge. Did you guys know that it wasn't even an actual legal holiday in America until 1870? The, the uh, what did I say? Not the Protestants, the Puritans. They actually rebelled and said, I've had enough of this because it was just a big Mardi Gras. And it had nothing to do with Jesus' birth, so they decided to ban it. They didn't want anything to do with it. And after the American Revolution and everybody came over here, it was actually uh, not allowed in Boston. You'd be fined if you ever celebrated Christmas. But it didn't withhold because then the Pope got involved and decided to say, no, this is going to be an American holiday. And then they said, but in order to make it a little bit not like Mardi Gras a big drunken fest, we're going to say that it's a family peaceful day. That's all Christmas means. It wasn't until way later that the tree got involved. You can read about what the mistletoe means. You can read about, I mean, it has, there's so many, it has nothing to even do with the original pagan holiday. It's just a big hodgepodge of stuff, and and part of uh, part of the belief behind December is uh, December twenty fifth with winter solstice, solstice. Is that the the days begin to get uh, brighter after that? So the light comes in. The evergreen tree means life, and so there's this celebration that we're turning the story and we're bringing uh, light into the world. Okay, that's December twenty fifth. You guys okay? You could read about Christmas carols. What a a carol actually started. What is a carol? Look it up. It's not people caroling about Jesus. That doesn't have anything to do with St. Nicholas. You know, people seem to say that they know that the pagan holiday and St. Nicholas and Santa Claus, and that's not even the origination of even that. It's all just a, a hodgepodge of stuff. What I'm getting at and what I'm so passionate about is that the deception that has, that has permeated and the time and the focus of what we're... Megan, Megan's all on fire saying, here's the church door and I'm, I'm running down the hallway, right? Right? Not everyone's running down the hallway, So it's like, um, but you want to know why they're not running down the hallway? Because of this like cyclical, I'm just going to keep celebrating what I was told. I'm going to keep, I'm going to just, I'm just going to keep throwing another idea. Maybe the evergreen tree will bring some peace this year. Maybe the mistletoe will fix my marriage. Maybe the lights will. So we're whiplashed forever. And then all of a sudden, some crazy person shows up on the scene and says something totally different. Well, and it's like, why? Why? I've already tried the tree the mistletoe the lights the december 25th the christmas eve the new year i've already done it all and now you're irritated now you're mad that ain't my fault you've been deceived and now he wants his original intent and what he says about this isn't about what i say about it this isn't another idea from some other culture and this isn't about some other this isn't about this is about what he said this is about what yeshua said and bringing back the, this isn't some other idea. When she says, I'm running down that hallway it's because he's bringing back the original intent that's actually going to bring life. It's going to bring life. He, he, he's coming back. And he's going to judge the nations. And he's going to dwell among Is that not the greatest joy? And we're busy celebrating we don't even know what. It's not going to bring you joy. It might for a day. Yeah. I, and it did me. Yeah. It will bring joy for a day. This will, will, bring, this will bring joy for a thousand years. Yeah. Christmas will bring you joy for a day. You want it, take it. I want joy for a thousand years. Yeah. Okay? All right. Now you ready for me to prove it? What I'm proving is his birthday, and the only reason why I felt led to do this is because I felt like (laughs) if we're going to build a new tradition, then I thought that if Christmas is something so sacred to us, then that means we really love his birthday. So if I tell you when his real birthday is, this won't be any problem at all, right? If it was really about Yeshua and his birth, if it was really about all those plays you attended, if it was really about all the evangelistic tools and programs you used on December 25th, because that tithe offering is going to get real big for all those keisters, right? If it was really about his birth, you guys are going to be real excited about Sukkot. Right? Okay. All right. I hope I can do this. Oh, I hope I can do this. All right, you guys want to learn a little trick on how to study Scripture so that the mysteries can be unlocked. Okay. I want you guys to go back to John 1, 5. Oh, my gosh, it's 8 o'clock. John 1, 5. Supernatural time. Okay. There's this really cool Scripture, and a lot of times we just kind of like, eh. What is that so we just breeze over it so I'm gonna show you a couple things so John 1 5 uh I'm yes I'm sorry Luke yes sorry Luke 1 5 in the days of Herod king of Judah there was a a, a priest named Zechariah from the priestly division of Abiha. most of us would read that and be like Abiha. doesn't matter what priest line he's from let's keep reading okay so let's keep reading Uh, I want us to go to... Okay, I'm just going to talk. You're going to be able to read in the scriptures. It's like verse 24, 26. There's some really cool things that happen because uh, Zechariah, you guys know, is John the Baptist's dad. And he gets hit with an angel, and he is serving in the priesthood when he gets hit with this angel. And the angel says that your wife is going to conceive, right? He becomes mute. He serves in the temple. He goes home. They conceive, Mary shows up when she's six months pregnant, okay? So, and that was after Mary uh, got, uh, sorry, I'm getting used to their Hebrew names. Her name is Midian, (laughs) so I get weird with my names when I start to say them. She conceives right before she meets her cousin. So now we know that she conceived at the six-month mark. So if we know when John the Baptist was born or conceived, then we know when Yeshua was born. But you don't know when he was conceived unless you know what priestly order he's from and when he served in the temple. Okay? So when you're studying the scriptures, if you get a clue like they visited at the sixth month, it means something. So when she visited her at the, and she was six months pregnant, we can work ourselves backwards that that means, it, right? Anybody who knows pregnancy, that if, if, if I conceive and uh, and d is six months pregnant and i am visiting with her then that means when she has her baby i'm gonna have a baby six months later so if i can find out when john the baptist was conceived mystery solved got it okay and then this is when you just start swirling because all of a sudden you start to find out timelines and you're like, why did John the Baptist say the one greater came before and I came and I'm like, Wah! and then you, then you start to study Tishri and then you start to study when Genesis 1 happened and when all of creation happened and then you start to look at the times and you're like it all matters! The conception of Yeshua matters! Okay? <laughs> Alright. Okay, so I'm going to try to do this. First of all, There is a difference between the lunar calendar and the solar calendar, okay? One of the major differences is that the lunar calendar just has a little bit less time in it. It has 51 weeks versus our 52 weeks, so that's why, if you guys ever wonder, why is the first of Tishri sometimes in September and sometimes first of Tishri is in October? Like, what is going on? That's why in America we wouldn't be able to say, this is his birthday because it was all based on the lunar calendar. Remember the wise men and the stars? Yeah, they cared about astrology. Same in Revelations when John is looking up at the stars and he gets a vision. Okay, So, so, there's, so the dates change per year, if that makes sense. But astro, astrologically, you can go back all the way to the date that he was born and, and actually get the actual day, but it wouldn't necessarily be celebrated on that day every single year. Make sense? Okay. So I'm going to try to do an overview so that this makes sense, and then we can kind of go back and get a little bit more detailed. Here's why I want you to know this. In First Chronicles, write this down, 24.10. Now, you know in your little Bible where it says that he came from the line of Abiha, and then there's a little A that means something too. That's the cross-reference to where that is pointing to. That cross-reference is the scripture I just gave you. First Chronicles 24.10. And it basically is telling you the line of Abiha. Now, when you read through Chronicles, it gives you a blueprint of what the priests had to do. So now you'll begin to see when you read in 1 Chronicles 24, 20, did I say 24, 10? 1 Chronicles 24, 10, the Abiha had the eighth lot. That means every priest, there was 24 sections. They all drew a lot and he got the eighth lot, which means that he served in the priesthood for a week on the eighth week and they did it twice a year. So, because there was twenty four, uh, basically Levitical lines of priests, twenty four families, if you will, they would serve once at the beginning of the year and then another week at the end of the year, because there's fifty one weeks. Is this making sense? There's fifty one weeks. There's 24 lots, times two is 48, and there's three extra weeks because all of them were required to come on the three weeks of the high holy feast. So every single Jewish, every single priest was required two times a year to serve for a week, and during Shavuot they served, and during Passover they served, and during Tabernacles they served. Make sense? So now we know that the line of Abiha, which is Zechariah, served... Two different times in the year, and it was after he served and got mute, it says he went home and they conceived. Make sense? The beginning of the year starts in Nisan. Okay? Eight weeks later is Shavuot. You guys following? That actually means that Zechariah probably was serving for his two weeks in a row. Because remember Pasach and then seven times seven? So he served at Shavuot for a week because they all had to be there. And then he served his eighth week right after that. That means that during that time, they conceived in May slash June. I'm trying to put our regular calendar. This changes a little bit. So it could be May, June, July. But it's May-June time that conception happened. Huh? For John the Baptist. That means six months later, Mary conceived and met her. Now this is what's so powerful. Everything lines up. There's no reason Mary would have trekked all the way to Jerusalem if it wasn't for something important to begin with. It was during Hanukkah. And that is not a feast that is required, but it is extremely important, and we will be talking about it. And it is during this time. So they all gathered also in Jerusalem during this time. So conception happened in the winter months for Yeshua. Okay? You with me? So that means John the Baptist was born when? If he was conceived here, anybody knows nine months, when he was born. In Nisan, six months later is tabernacles, the fall feast. There's Yeshua's birth. Now, if I'm allowed to, I can go there. I just want to make sure I'm connecting all the T's and dotting all the I's. There is another option. it's not but I just for the sake of spiritually being so excited this is what gets me so excited the other time that Zechariah would have been serving would have been the 32nd week right if he's the eighth lot and it starts over at the 24th right then eight after 24 is the third that means that everything would be flipped if it had happened, that would mean that everything would flip. That would mean conception for John the Baptist happened here. Okay? And that would mean that Yeshua was born here. Does that make any sense? It's just flipping the year. Okay? So there's two options. Yeshua was either born on Passover or on tabernacles. Who's fighting? Who cares? That's a really awesome thing. Because the new year starts here, but, yet, but Yahweh says, but you get to start over here. And John the Baptist, the one that goes before, but he is greater. Come on. There's some things that are going on here. There's also a dilemma between rabbis that says that the beginning of creation started here. And some of them say it started here. Some of them say that the beginning of creation was conceived here, but it was born there. All of a sudden, conception and birth begins to matter. And now all of a sudden, we're not dying on a hill on December 25th. We're beginning to come alive. Okay? But the reason why it's probably not Nisan is because there's this beautiful scripture in Luke that says that Joseph, Yosef, was taking his family during the census. The census was always August to September. Ha, <laughs> ha, But I like that. When I go in the scripture, if I'm like, okay, well, that doesn't mean that that happened. What if they conceived the second time he served? I'm just kind of like that. So I'll work my annoyances out. I like to prove myself wrong. Do you guys do that when you study? I like to prove myself wrong. And then when I do, another mystery unlocks. And then I'm like, it doesn't matter. (laughs) Because then he just unlocks more and more. But does that make sense? So it could have been either way. Did that make sense when I flipped the calendar? But when it says in there that Joseph was taking his family back to Jerusalem for the, for the census, it was always during this time. We now have his birthday. The word became flesh and tabernacled among us. So let's get, uh, I, I want us to get excited about a, a couple of things. Hmm. Um, Okay, just really quick. Just, just to add to the, the... Remember when I said I want you guys to, to dive into the mysteries about the lights? Think about the wise men. And who were they? And what did they follow? Okay? Zodiac signs and astrology and the cosmic calendar tells his story. All right? And then it's really going to just... If you really want to get nutty... Dive into Revelations. Uh, I think it's Revelations 12. Now, Revelations 14. It's about the virgin. There are astronomers, rabbis, and scholars that have all gotten together and have looked at John's revelation when he's looking up at the stars. Remember, there are these lights that govern the seasons and the times, and they have actually been able to walk backwards and pinpoint that prophetic picture of the virgin and lined up where the moon was at the time and actually found the, the date at the time he was born, the day that it was, they have found that date. What I find so powerful about that is that it's a prophetic picture that it has already happened and it's also Not fulfilled yet. My point in saying all of that is that when I say how powerful Genesis 1 is, and if you want to, you know how we've had that foundational structure, do you know your identity? You're worth something. All of a sudden, there is something that is coming that is way more than what you think you're worth. You are given the keys and the authority to be able to govern the zodiac signs that begin to call down what was on the other side of that board. Feasts, and tabernacles, and what's to come, and the trumpet, and atonement, and all, that, and all that's coming with all of that. There's a whole nother thing coming. It's no longer, oh, I'm an orphan, and now I'm adopted. And now all of a sudden we understand adoption, and that is so amazing. But once you're adopted, what are you adopted for? And something's coming that's a whole lot more than identity. It's a, it has all to do with authority. That's what's so heavy when she's talking about the repositioning of this and the authority that we have. So when I'm bringing up the stars and I'm bringing up all that stuff, there's just some mysteries that, that, that are actually going to unlock who you are. Amen? Okay. Um, so I just want to, uh, I don't know how this is going to go, but can I have those pictures now? So as far as family tradition, I don't know what this is going to look like. The first thing that we have to know is what is it? Right? And what are we doing and what does it mean? But what I found so exciting is that while we are in a season, and just stop there, while we are in a season of joy, there is a tradition coming to this family that I am so excited about. And like Megan said, it's not new. People all over the world do this, just we don't, because we've been hold that it's been done away with and yet it can't be done away with or else you don't believe he's coming back because this is a prophetic picture of what's to come which is why we've been beat down and beat down and beat down by the cyclical cycle because you've had this dichotomy of the law has been done away with but he's coming back that doesn't go together so that's why there's this schizophrenia double mind just what and so you just keep going and going and going. This is what's coming. A prophetic, uh, a prophetic feast that we get to rehearse. You're rehearsing what's coming. You're also rehearsing and remembering for the generations to remember what he's done for you. That will bring joy for year after year after year after year. Look at this picture. This is a Sukkot. How amazing would it be as a family tradition, it's been seven days, tonight's the last day, that we as a family are building our sukkahs, we're getting our families together, we're shutting everything down, and we're going outside, and we're building a dining table, and the kids begin to decorate and begin to prophetically beautify their home. Isn't this Isn't this beautiful? And there's so much symbolism that I can't get into. But when you when you read, uh, I think it was in um, the one that I just read about Nehemiah. Oh my gosh, I read in the Torah. Go and get the myrtle branches. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Queen Esther's name is Hadassah, and her name means myrtle. When you go out and you grab that myrtle, and you begin to decorate, and you wave it around, there's a frequency that begins to happen, that begins to awaken some things. And we're putting evergreens up and putting a red ball on it and going, Merry Christmas. There's no frequency in that. I'm not, I am saying it's wrong now. I was saying before, it's not wrong if you decide, but there is a family and a remnant of sons and heirs that have written in the scrolls and have said, oh my gosh, it says to do this? I've been wasting my time. How much time do we put in and going and cutting down a tree and we could go and we could build this? And actually synergize in it, and it means something. You begin to read the law in a new way, and you begin to, to grab the greenery. Every palm branch means something. Every myrtle branch means something. Amen? And then you, you just you begin to, to celebrate as a family, and you dine in, in this. And well, Anyways, go on to the next picture. These are just some pictures that I found of families that do this, like right now. They're not having to be taught that. They're doing this. Look at this family, dining. Look at the decorations and the greenery and the color and the prophetic way that they've decorated. It is part of the mitzvah. When I say mitzvah, it's part of the law that you you beautify your sukkah. Isn't that powerful after 10 days of awe that we would take time to beautify our temples? Because he's coming to dwell. We want him to move in and out. It is a prophetic picture of what's to come. Next one. Look at this. It's like camping. You're out, and I, 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 don't, I don't know what it, I don't know what it did when I looked at these pictures. But it began to put a, a vision to the tradition. I don't know what it is, but it put a vision to what we can honor. It doesn't mean he. At the time, I just thought he was just cutting me up. I thought he was just taking everything away. And this is what he means when he says, if you take life, you receive life. But most of us don't want the life taken. But you're going to receive something so much, I cannot even imagine what I would be instilling in the generations if I had seven days Of sitting in a place where I say this is just like how he moves in and out of our lives freely. Begin to decorate prophetically. He's coming one day. Right here. Right now. Can you imagine? This is what he did for me when he took me out of Egypt. And he provided for me daily when I knew nothing. None of this is coming from anywhere but straight from heaven. This is an absolute gift and an honor. This comes from dwelling in the secret place. Who knew in the Western world? Does that make sense? I I can't even imagine laying in that thing and dining with my family and saying, you have no idea, I woke up on Shavuot. I was dead in religion and was about to raise you a way that basically would have killed you. I would have told you to sit down shut up. You don't know how to pray. You need to go to school before you can do anything. I would have just been mean and nasty and self-righteous and rude. I killed people. And I praised and I gave God glory for it. I taught people how to raise kids and he's so good. Can you imagine being able to just have time with your kids and just be like, I was on a track that would have brought death and no joy. And he woke me up in the middle of this. I didn't know what this was. But all of a sudden, the scripture came alive. Can you imagine feeding the good manna to your children? It is a sweet thing. It's like a cookie. (laughs) That's not what I would have taught them had I not woken up. I would have never thought the word was honey. I would have said, do your Bible scriptures. Make sure you get it done. Or you're going to hell. I don't know I don't even I really don't know what I would have said I can't even remember who I was but I know that I know that it would have been uh it wouldn't have been life let me just say that it wouldn't have been life it wouldn't have been life-giving am I making sense but I what I'm saying is is having seven days to be able to to be able to say what it is that he's done And to be able to honor what it is that he's done in our lives. To wake us up out of something. And what I'm trying to express is what a gift this is. Because that happened out of nowhere. I didn't take a class on Shavuot. I began to look at the scriptures and all of a sudden, Ruach began to breathe life into me. And I will be passionate to lead this family. That we're going to keep going because the life is so alive to be breathed inside of you because of what's coming. Not only am I excited about what he's done, I'm excited about what he did. I'm excited about what he's going to do. Amen. I didn't understand. I I didn't, I didn't understand living, living in this, this church age. I remember when people go, oh, I just can't wait to get out of here. And I remember thinking, I don't think I'm saved. I don't want to go anywhere. I think I've told you guys that before. But I was humiliated because it was like, you need to love the rapture. You should want to get out of here. I wasn't taught what heaven was. Why would I want to go somewhere if I don't even know what heaven is? I wanted to stay on earth. Now I'm learning that what heaven is, but I don't want to leave here. I wanted to come here. Isn't that a kingdom prayer? As it is. As it is in heaven on earth now all of a sudden the 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 lord's prayer is different read it in hebrew it's way different than you know it and i remember i would have told my kids you need to at least know that prayer hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done it says things (laughs) our father because it was so powerful during that time because nobody knew him as that. This personal God is your father. Some crazy guy decided to pray that. Do you know he was quoting Old Testament scripture? They were very aware that he was quoting. He didn't just say, this prayer sounds good and just made it up one day. He was a God of order. And he quoted Old Testament scripture and he began to breathe life into it. It talks about that thy kingdom come, thy will be done. May your kingdom in me be established. How many of you were taught that prayer? That kingdom come, thy will be done. That the kingdom in you would be established. Would be continued to be established. That's a whole different kind of prayer. Amen? All right, next one. Sorry, I just get all them. I don't know what these pictures are doing, but I just get all emotional about thinking about all the years that I've spent and money and time. When all the money and time could be spent in a hut where I get down to basics and I teach my kids what establishes kingdom, who will rule and reign when we rehearse in this hut. Because I'm telling you, one of these years, he's coming during the time that I am in this hut with my kids. During that time, could you imagine waiting and anticipating I'm going to hear a shofar and the the nations are going to be judged and you're going to have the book of life written all over you because you are dwelling and rehearsing in him. You're not going to be the one that's judged and cast out. You're the one that's going to leave the field and you're going to be pulled inside. Can you imagine? Son, leave and come inside and what would be imparted into our children next one come on is this not better than the christmas season look at these decorations how many loopholes have our kids been putting together putting day one day two day three because on day 25 santa's coming come on Look at at the the prophetic that could come from this. And then being able to honor what it is that he said. Keep going. You can't really see it, but there's these powerful decorations of tinsel and lights. And guys, this is gonna be hard because you're gonna get a conviction. And then you're gonna go to school and you're gonna hear your teacher say, what are you for Halloween? And I just wanna die. Because I'm so excited about the truth and the fight that we're going to have when every Walmart store. Our generations are dying, and we're the ones feeding them. Next one. (laughs) Talk about intimacy. The king is in the field. We're preparing and then he takes us in and then we bring him into our field. We invite him into our field. We are preparing an earth for him to come. Can you imagine Sukkot, celebration and joy and feasting with your family and and dwelling and talking about intimacy and abiding and what it means when the word becomes flesh and he tabernacled with us keep going. You can't see that one. Keep going. Look at that. I've taught on this before about the major in the inn and that he was born on the inside in an upper room. You begin to understand what tabernacles, what was happening during that time, and why the wise men, and all of that that was happening during that. You begin to paint a different picture about this. Keep going. It can look so many different ways. Look at this, is on somebody's deck. Keep going. And again. Keep going. Isn't that powerful? I don't know what the tradition's gonna be, but I do know that Yahweh said it's time for this family to rebuild. It's time for this family to build, and it's time to be able to put into motion his tradition, not man's tradition, but his tradition, and begin to engage and synergize with what it is that he has said. What he has said, what he did say, and what he's going to say. And it's time for us to engage in the is, the was, and the is to come. And what's going to happen when we begin to honor and rehearse all of this. Guys, this is just tabernacles. And I only gave you one. We could go 500 deep. And this is just tabernacles. We still have Hanukkah, which is just absolutely powerful about rededicating in the middle of the winter season and the lights and the oil never running out. And then you get to start all over. He's giving us a prophetic blueprint. He's giving us a blueprint that we get to look at and we get to begin to build off of that blueprint. Amen? Are you guys excited about the blueprint? Okay, go ahead, Gabby. Hmm. Oh yeah, go for that.
1: I just want to read Malachi 4, all six verses because I believe we will all hear this in a completely different way than we've ever understood after this amazing message. It's the great day of the Lord, for behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness, righteousness shall rise with healing in his wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall and you shall tread down the wicked. Think about that when we've talked about the dismantling of rapture theology. He's saying the, the great day of the Lord is coming and you shall be released from a stall like calves to, to tread upon the wicked. For they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Behold, I'll send you Elijah. And then the last verse says, I will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. I think it's important to understand that when he says that, and this is what I feel like is is something we can understand at a, at a deeper level, is when he said he's... It's not just somebody turning, a son turning to their father. What he's saying is, I'm going to restore understanding that the fathers had to the sons. And I believe when she's talking about bridging a gap, when it says we're going to restore the hearts of fathers to the children and children to the fathers, he's bringing them both back to a place of understanding that he originally intended. Amen.
0: That scripture actually is quoting in Older Testament scripture. And that pro- the prophet's actually talking about exactly that. The sons were going to turn to the original forefathers, Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac. It's saying that the sons are gonna return to the fathers. Not any father. The fathers from the Hebrew name, which I could go on and on and on. But there were three that came out of Noah. When I say we're Hebrew, are you Arab? no. Are you Greek? No. So you're Hebrew. There's three that came out of Noah. And when you follow the names that came out of Noah, you begin to understand what Malachi says. You are going to turn to the fathers and the fathers are gonna turn to the sons. There's so much that is coming as far as a blueprint of what we are going to be stepping into. And I am excited. I hope that the cookies got you excited about being able to build a new tradition or build his original tradition. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Kingdom Airs International. If you have received insight and revelation with this message, we invite you to claim that revelation by trading on the trading floor with this ministry. You can do that at kingdomayersflag.org. Thank you.